This is an RNZ podcast. One international story that was truly globally important broke early in the new year and had an impact here on the other side of the world. We've killed a figure who's incredibly important and popular in Iran and incredibly important uh, and influential throughout the region. This is someone who is not only well-known in Iran, but Iraq, Lebanon, Yemen, throughout the region. It's an incredibly consequential figure who has been, I think, openly assassinated. It is an incredibly reckless uh, step that the Trump administration has taken. That was Hillary Mann Leverett, a former U.S. National Security Council director, talking to Al Jazeera there on the 3rd of January about Iranian military commander Qasem Soleimani being taken out in a U.S. drone strike. As she said there, that rocked the entire Middle East, peaking fears of war with Iran and alarming the U.S.'s allies in Europe as well. And soon after that, News Hub's Lloyd Burr was live from London telling News Hub at Six viewers this. Move over Brexit because there's a new crisis in town. It's called Megxit. But that new crisis was not the Middle East one. It was a Meghan Markle one, sparked by the announcement that she and Prince Harry wanted out of the royal family and the kingdom as well. They're actually quitting Britain as well. Yeah, they certainly are, Tom. This, as they say, is the rift that keeps on giving. And instead of singing the national anthem, Brits over here are instead singing a new tune that goes, Oh, Canada. Well, of course, they weren't actually singing either tune, but this was clearly significant news for the UK. It was not as serious as the prospect of an actual war in the Middle East, though. Or was it? It's been dubbed Megxit and the War of the Windsors. So, a new crisis for the Royal Institution and a new War of the Windsors. And online, News Hub also reckoned this was war in this headline. Shock decision, a declaration of war, says report. That report came from a New Zealand reporter, Dan Wooten, now an executive director at Rupert Murdoch's tabloid The Sun. Formerly, he was a showbiz writer at Murdoch's paper that was sacrificed after the phone hacking scandal in 2011, the news of the world. Dan Wooten's scoop quoted an unnamed senior source as saying this. It breaks all protocol. This is a declaration of war on the family. But why so warlike? Well, because the couple didn't tell the palace bigwigs that their big announcement was coming. And Dan Wooten gleefully reported that the couple had rushed that statement out because they'd found out the sun was going to break the story. And coincidentally, Dan Wooten was on holiday here in New Zealand at the time, where he told One News this at Wellington Airport. There is a civil war within the royal family at the moment. A lot of people haven't wanted to believe that for a long time. But this story today has blown it wide open. So Harry and Meghan released the statement after I had broken the story just a few hours beforehand in the sun. The Queen wasn't aware of the statement. I'm told that she is deeply upset. Prince Charles and Prince William didn't know about the statement. And I'm told they are incandescent with rage. So there is absolutely a civil war over this decision, and there has been for some time, to be honest. And Dan Wooten seemed pretty pleased to be able to play a part in this new English civil war. Dan Wooten later told UK media trade journal Press Gazette... I would say the fact we'd given them 10 days' notice is actually a very lengthy time. People are lucky to get 10 hours these days with how quickly news breaks. Dan Wooten said the royal couple were professional victims who he said wanted to feel like they are under attack from the British press when a lot of the time they actually haven't been. And this was a point he also hammered home in a British documentary which was rushed on air by TVNZ1 on Wednesday. Hasn't the newspaper industry, and in particular the tabloids, of which you are an executive editor of the biggest selling one, 
Aren't you to blame for it all going wrong? I think that is patently ridiculous. And I think even if you asked Meghan and Harry, they would say that the press is only one factor in their anger about the UK. But I'm sorry, I will stand by everything that The Sun has done about Harry and Meghan. They are a public couple. They are partly funded by us and they deserve proper scrutiny. But Dan Wooten seemed to have much more sympathy for the couple's troubles, and Meghan Markle's in particular, when he appeared on TV3 during another trip home two years ago. It is a very, very, very difficult situation for Meghan to deal with. Obviously, she's just in that family, and there's huge sympathy and support for Meghan in the UK. But Dan Wooten is far from the only one in the UK's media to turn on the royal couple in recent times, and Meghan Markle especially. Among the tsunami of hostile press comment about her was this headline in another Murdoch paper, the UK's Sunday Times, back in 2018. Fly away, Meghan. Your creepy entourage and prince entitled are really irritating. Now that was on a column by journalist Camilla Long, who said it was time for her to leave and take Prince Pussy whipped with her. But the headline on her column just last week was this. Meghan snubbed the Queen and country, and now she's off with her prince. Charming. And under that, Camilla Long said this. They said they'd come to this decision over the last few years. But Meghan's only been here three seconds. She only met him a minute ago, and the joyful, gushing wedding was yesterday. Now that is spectacularly bad writing. No one could marry anyone yesterday whom they met only a minute ago, having arrived a mere three seconds earlier. And as Vice UK reporter Paulie Doyle pointed out, the entire piece could be summed up in just one line anyway. How dare you leave, as I repeatedly told you to. Here on News Talk ZB and in the New Zealand Herald, Camilla Long was echoed by Kate Hawksby, who has written and broadcast plenty of condemnations of Meghan Markle in the Herald and on ZB in recent months. On her first early edition show for 2020 last Monday, there was more. As much as I would have loved to come on here first day back and not say I told you so, I have to say, I said at the time, into much criticism and hate mail, I might add, that I didn't trust Meghan Markle that I thought she had an agenda, that she seemed about ambition and fame and not in it for the right reasons. She was certainly no Kate Middleton 2.0. Now, much of the commentary in the UK and here has compared Meghan Markle, who's of mixed race, unfavourably with the Duchess of Cambridge. On scoop.co.nz, Gordon Campbell pointed out that BuzzFeed had found more than 20 examples of Kate Middleton being lavishly praised by the press, while Meghan Markle was seriously denigrated for exactly the same things, including eating avocados to visiting the Queen. Now, Critics have claimed that all this is snobbery and even possibly racism, but The Sun defended its coverage in an editorial this week saying it was sick of woke morons crying racism over press criticism. And that was the line that the paper's Kiwi-born executive editor Dan Wooten took in that ITV documentary that was on TVNZ1 last Wednesday night. Go and look back at that wedding day. We celebrated as a country. People were delighted. Go and read the Sun editorials from those days. We thought that Meghan was a brilliant breath of fresh air and she was going to bring change to the monarchy. We celebrated. I'm sorry, Chris, if you were actually saying that you can no longer criticise someone who happens to be mixed race, then we've got real problems coming in this country. The criticism of Meghan is nothing to do with her race. It's to do with the fact that she has been incredibly hypocritical with political views that she has preached as a member of the royal family, by the way. This is a big deal. You know, members of the royal family are not meant to openly share their politics. 
The royal family and politics have, of course, been closely intertwined throughout their history. In the UK's Guardian newspaper, long-serving former editor Alan Rusbridger pointed out another factor in the press hostility. Prince Harry is currently pursuing phone hacking claims against the publishers of the UK's two biggest tabloids, The Sun and The Daily Mirror, and he's also suing the publisher-associated newspapers over the publication of a private letter. So therefore... There is, to any reasonable eyes, a glaring conflict of interest that, for the most part, goes undeclared. There are quite a lot of worried newspaper executives and former editors who have absolutely zero interest in treating the couple kindly or even handedly. And it's the same here, though it's not big money at stake, it's online engagement. Last week, local New York Times reporter Charlotte Graham McClay said she was startled to get five push notifications about the drama on her phone in one morning from the Herald. The sheer obsessive intensity of these alerts, she said, was out of kilter with the likely lack of interest in their content. But last June... Long before the current crisis, MediaWatch's Jeremy Rose reported it was rare for the Herald website not to have a Meghan Markle story on its homepage on any given day. The Herald, he found, had run 63 stories about her on its website in the previous month. Last Monday, Prince Harry gave a speech in which he mentioned the big decision he and his wife had made, prompting this from Lloyd Burr on NewsHub at 6. What I find interesting about this whole saga is that they're stepping back from the royal family because they don't want to be in the media spotlight. They don't want to be uh, on the front pages. And yet every time they open their mouths, do what Harry did overnight and give these speeches, they are straight back on the front page, straight back into leading those bulletins. Now there, Lloyd Burr spoke as if the prince himself was setting the running order of the bulletins and writing the front page headlines rather than other journalists and editors. And as if to prove this point, Kate Hawksby the next day on News Talk ZB kicked off her show like this. I'm sure he was delighted he could stand in front of an adoring crowd and give his side of the story, and I think that's what we'll see from both of them now for the coming months. And therein lies the issue. I don't know that it's that beneficial to keep banging on about how much you hate the press, to keep trying to fly your own flag and put your own story across. I'm not sure it's a fruitful and solid long-term approach. There is a lot to be said for quiet distinction and aloofness. After that, she claimed that Harry's latest speech had just made things worse, and she wound up with this warning. The other thing he said was that he was looking for a more peaceful life. And if he thinks this is his way of getting it, he's dreaming. He may find peace away from the palace, yes, but they have just opened the floodgates for more media scrutiny than ever before. Watch this space. And that's a self-fulfilling media prophecy, if ever there was one, from Kate Hawksby. Now that Prince Harry speech this week, incidentally, was for a charity event supporting poor children in southern Africa. Had the prince cancelled it, or turned up and spoken and not talked about his big decision, he would have been condemned in the media for dodging the issue, or letting down the charity, or both. Either way, it would have made more headlines and prompted more media condemnation. It's too early to tell whether the Sussexes' big move will work out as they'd hoped or not, but at least they've tried to break a cycle in a way that the media never would.